Could it have added fuel to me? Could it have like given me a little more drive? Sure, but it didn't. I didn't need it. I didn't. I don't need to hear Rory tell me to play better. I'm trying my best each and every week. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another hard train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. Sir Mac is on his honeymoon, so it's just me. And I am pumped to get you guys to this interview. Okay, we interviewed Grayson Murray, recent two-time PGA Tour winner at the Sony Open, just won a couple weeks ago. We're going to get you to that in a second. But first, if you guys are new, welcome aboard the Par Train. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything, guys. And we essentially unpack the mental game with anyone from a PGA Tour pro like today to a golfer like you and me. And this interview was freaking awesome. Guys, you, I mean, if you want to play better golf and you've ever struggled, this interview is solid from start to finish. But before we get to it, I want to thank our friends at Roback Activewear. I'm wearing the hoodie right now, and I just got back from the PJ show. And you know what I love most about Roback, besides the fact that it's the most comfortable, stretchy, soft gear in the game, I love how versatile it is, okay? I went to a million meetings throughout the PJ show, had a great week, but I dressed it up. I wore Roback golf pants, which just look like slacks. I wore the Roback crew neck sweatshirt, which is as stretchy and soft as a hoodie, but it's just a sweatshirt. And I wore it over a Roback polo. So I dressed myself up. I wore my Enjoy the Ride hat. And I was comfortable as hell at, you know, more of a business setting. I could wear that same outfit to go play golf. I could wear, take off the polo and go work out probably take off the golf pants. I put on some joggers or the, some of their shorts. But the point is, is I don't feel guilty spending money on activewear that I can wear in like four different social scenarios, right? Golf, working out, nice dinners, or going out with friends, or strolling the town. To me, you might as well be comfortable and you buy an expensive, high-quality thing because you can use it in many different things. So go to Roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off. And if it doesn't work, that means you've bought stuff from them before. So you'll have to use a different email, wife's email, friend's email, create a new email. I don't care. Do whatever you have to do. You didn't hear it from me. But get the discount, use the code TRAIN. Or if you forget the code, tap our link in the bio at the par train. And there's always a link there. It'll auto-apply in your cart. So thanks to Roback. As always, thanks to you guys for hopping aboard the Roback train. I love seeing the new gear that you guys are buying. And it shows Roback that this partnership, you know, is a good one. And I think that's that's good for everybody. So I appreciate you guys hopping aboard the Roback train. Okay. This interview with Grayson Murray, I feel, I personally just feel really grateful for today. In the middle of the interview, I was kind of having like one of those pinch me moments because, you know, I know we're not one of the biggest golf podcasts in the game. There's a lot of shows that have better pull than us to get someone after they win on the PJ tour, right? Their, their requests for interviews goes way up. And we've had some pros big time us in the past after they win, but not Grayson, you know, Grayson, we had him on. It was a really vulnerable episode. He talked about his lowest of lows and to see him, you know, go through alcohol abuse and, recently get engaged and he's he's putting himself on the right track and he's doing the right things every day as best as he can. Um, I think he's eight months sober and, you know, recently had a great finish winning on the corn ferry, getting his card and then won Sony open start of the year, 
you know? I mean, for him to come back on the show a couple weeks after that win is so cool. I think for our community, it's it's a cool thing for me personally. And it just shows, you know, who he is as a person to do that. So to give you guys a little bit of a, a summary of how this interview went, we start talking about the Sony Open probably halfway through. So if that's what you're most interested in, you can jump ahead if you'd like. However, the start of this interview is really freaking good. Like, it was just an overall amazing masterclass and blueprint on what gets in your way and what the alternative looks like. Like, what is really good process, attitude, and commitment look like? And he walked us through it, and it was really vulnerable and just a great conversation. Now, I will say, I did ask him at the end about the Rory thing because I felt irresponsible not to. And so that is the very last question. You probably heard it in the hook. So make sure you listen to the end if you want to hear his answer there. Otherwise, thank you to Grayson. He's at Grayson Murray on Instagram if you want to follow his journey. If this interview provides you guys value, which hopefully it does, hop aboard our YouTube channel at the partrain, youtube.com slash at the partrain. And we're focusing more and more on videos. And this podcast will be up on the Monday following. So the podcast come out on Sunday. This comes out on Monday on YouTube. If you want to watch it on video and uh, hop aboard our social platforms at the part train, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I love getting your guys' messages. So keep sending me messages. Some people say they can't keep up with them all. I do the very best I can to read every message. So feel free to message me over on Instagram is probably the best place. And don't forget about our email newsletter at thepartrain.com. You can jump aboard our free email list there. You get first access to merchandise drops and our new ball markers, which are coming soon, which Grayson might play, but in a PJ Tour event. We'll see. Wait for the end to hear about that. No matter how down you're feeling, if you feel like a failure, if you don't know where the ball is going, just remember, enjoy the ride. Take care, guys. For the second time, Grayson Murray, welcome aboard the part my man. We're pumped to have you back. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it. A lot of stuff has changed since we last talked in, I think it was October 2022. Has it been that long? You know what? I thought it seemed, I think it was. I think it's been that long. Late 2022. Yeah. You're you're an engaged man. You've returned to the winner circle multiple times, but especially on the PJ Tour. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things to talk about. But first... You know, this week, the Farmers Insurance Open is happening down the road for me in San Diego. And I was listening back to our our first interview. And you're one of the, I think, only three people that won the Junior World three times. Tiger's on that list. So I wanted to ask today, it's interesting. Why not play at the Farmers, considering your success at Torrey as a junior? I know. I love that place. I'm, I'm sad I missed it this year. But just with the scheduling, it's just, it's so tough, like, you got to skip things like that you are going to want to play in, especially now that I'm in some of the bigger events. It's just, it's not feasible to be able to play all of them. You know, I'd love to, you know, I committed to playing in the American express before I, you know, won Sony and my uh, fiance's parents and grandma lives out here. So it was nice to just be able to kind of, it was a tough week just following a win, but it was nice to be able to sleep in our kind of, home bed i guess you'd say on the west coast and yeah i mean i i, I hate missing tory this week it's it's a bummer and i'm 
I don't even want to watch like watch it on TV because I get kind of you know a little sad that I'm not there. But um, you know, hopefully next year we can fit it in the schedule because it is yeah. one of my favorite. Does the Junior World play on both the North and the South, or did they just do the South? We just played the South. Oh wow! So okay, I, I don't. I'm not sure if the girls played the North. I'm not sure how it was back then. Okay, it's been so long ago. But I, I, we were playing the, the South and. Uh, Miliano Grillo actually beat me for my fourth one in a row. So I always give him wow. a little tough love. Like, why'd you take, you know, let, not let me beat, you know, beat the record? But he's like, well, you should have just played better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, congrats on the engagement, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah. I heard the wedding is end of April at Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to give you your chance, Grayson, because, you know, there's probably not many things I could help you with. So this is my opportunity. I got married a little over a year ago. Any questions, anything I can answer and help you leading in to this? Because you're in the heat of it right now. I'm sure, you know, your wife is doing a lot of it too, but, or soon to be wife, but yeah. any questions for an upcoming wedding? I've heard just stay out of it as much as you can. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Any I'm sure. I'm... specific decisions you want to make or anything that was important to you? So we decided Pinehurst just because her family is mostly all of them are able to travel. So my family is not. They're getting kind of on the older side. So we were like, well, it's close to, you know, where I grew up in North Carolina. And she grew up a golfer. Yeah. You know, and so she she's never been a Pinehurst. So we just thought it'd be a cool place to have it. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it was that was kind of our only really decision we had to make was like where it's going to be. Otherwise, you know, we were gonna just going to have like a small wedding on a beach somewhere. And then we were like, well, we can't really exclude some of our, you know, family members that we really love. I think it'd be kind of unfair. So yeah, uh, it's it's still going to be a small wedding. We're only going to have hopefully around 75 tops, which is, okay. uh, which is nice. It's just, just intimate enough where we can kind of focus on, on the family and friends aspect and not too much. She likes to say that aesthetics and the decor and all that, we don't need to, you know, go crazy over the top on any of that. And yeah, um, it's going to be nice. I think uh, everyone's going to enjoy it. Well, that's a good thing about being at a beautiful place. Before we get into other stuff, just I can hear our passengers maybe thinking, what does a wedding at Pinehurst look like? Like, do you guys know where you're going to stand? Like, what's the backdrop going to be? Where is it going to happen? So we're going to do the chapel, which okay. I thought was good. Um, I think we wanted to kind of bring in our uh, Christian like ties a little bit and just keep it kind of old school chapel. So we're going to do that on Saturday. And then okay. the rehearsal dinner is just going to be at the Carolina Inn, which is you know, the nice hotel right there on site. And then the ceremony afterwards is going to be just in a ballroom at the clubhouse at Pinehurst. Oh, sweet. Two. And we're going to play, I got a tea time for us on number two, the morning of the wedding, which she's not going to be able to join, which she's a little bummed, but you know, can't see her on that day. What time are you guys teeing off? 7am. We got the first one. So nice. it's going to be fun. It's going to be my father-in-law, our future father-in-law, Scott. And then, his best friend and then one of my best friends who plays golf. So, and then I think the day before, which she will be able to play, we're going to play pine needles, which will be cool. Um, oh, cool. I think we got like two tee times at pine needles just to kind of get out and, you know, do something, take our mind off of everything and 
not sure what we're going to do with pictures. You know, obviously we'd like to kind of put Pinehurst in the background, but I think they're going to be, you know, having some grandstands being built around that time, obviously for the U S open. So we're going to have to either get some Photoshop, you know, done with the grandstands or maybe just incorporate them in there. But yeah, I'll just listen to her and whatever she wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you the, the round I played pasta tiempo the day before my wedding, I got married up in Santa Cruz I've had a lot of special rounds. I've been lucky, but that one, you know, with all of your favorite people around such a special celebratory time, it's a really, it's cool how golf can bring people together in that way. And nobody cares, you know, what anyone's shooting. And it's just like, we're there, we're with the people we love. And so I'm excited for you. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So ball markers, Mm -hmm. you can expect me to start here, but. (laughs) we just made our train track ball marker. It hasn't launched yet, but everything that we make is designed to inspire and remind you when you might be getting off track to maybe get back on track. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was listening to an interview you did after the Simon's bank open win on the corn ferry. And you talked about your ball marker that said two things on it. And I want to, start here because I I thought it was really cool and I thought it talks about the power of coming back to something so talk about what you had on your ball marker and if you still have it yeah so I got that week a guy was gracious enough to make us some custom ball markers that you know you can engrave on the back and so we had I had just seen my mental coach for the first time the week prior and he gave me a few acronyms I think acronyms are kind of easy for us to remember some important stuff. And so I got SOP and WIN stamped on the back of it, which is succeed on purpose and what's important now. And that just carried with me um, in our first session immensely, just those, those acronyms and those words, those phrases that, you know, the succeed on purpose is basically, you know, when you're, when you're having success out on the course and when you're doing well and, it, it just re, it reminds you that whatever you're doing at that moment, it's it's you know you're you're doing it for that purpose. You're doing it for a reason. Don't feel bad that you're in first place. Don't feel bad that you're succeeding in the moment. It's your time to succeed. Don't let that moment get too big for you. So that's one of those. And then what's important now kind of goes into what I just said is don't let that moment get too big for you. Focus in on what shot you're hitting or what, what hole you're on or any little thing, just focus on what's important now. And that's succeeding on purpose, kind of those two intertwine really nicely together. So that's why I did those two uh, acronyms. And there's a few others that, you know, he's told me, but they, they really stuck with me the first session. And that's why I put them on my ball marker. And I use that ball marker. I don't use it every time. I'm not really superstitious. Yeah, but I do have that ball marker in my bag, and you know, if I need a little reminder, I'll pull it out and and use it. It's a little bigger, you know. It's about, I would say, like a fifty cent coin that size, or maybe even a little bigger. So, you know, sometimes you're having to move them around a little too much when you're playing yeah. with guys versus like a little smaller one. But those are two good kind of quotes to live by, and uh, especially in golf, and. You know, I haven't forgotten him ever since he told him to me those, that day. Well, maybe I'll send you our enjoy the ride little train track. And Love it. Yeah. you'll just reel off wins for the year. Let's do it. Just yeah. 
four majors, all of them, little tiger slam. <laughs> That's really interesting because I've found, I've had many conversations in the show where golf seems to be one of the only things where it's easy to get nervous when you're doing well, where, you know, you think about other sports, you think about Steph Curry just draining threes, like when they're feeling good, when they're feeling confident, like they double down. Whereas especially amateur golfers, when you make a birdie, they're like, oh shit, right? And that's the classic mm -hmm. like post birdie fuck up that, you know, amateurs talk about. But success, succeed on purpose, I think is such a cool, I haven't heard that before. What a great reminder that like, hey, I'm coming down the stretch. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, that's got to make you feel good, right? It does. You're right. And it's like the post birdie fuck up or, you know, like you're going low and you're just like thinking in your head, oh, what if I do this or what if I do that? None of that matters unless you're focused on like the what's important now part. And so, you know, you can start, you know, coming up with your post round interview, your winning speech, who you're going to thank and all that. But if you're not focused on, you know, if you give up, if you let your guard down, like just a little bit, then you'll see, you know, you're not going to, that, that's not going to come to fruition. And obviously like Scotty Scheffler had already won the masters, like walking up 18 pretty much last year, if he just hit it in play. And, you know, I think even he, he kind of got a little, I think he even, you know, forgot about what's important now. And, and, and he ended up four potting the last hole, which you right. know, he ha had the lead. So he, it could happen. But uh, if you ask him probably to this day, it's like, yeah, I was already thinking about, you know, putting on that green jacket. And so it, it's something that you just, I mean, I think starting from the first hole until the 72nd hole, I think that you have to focus on that or these guys are too good out here. You can't really let your guard down for too long in a, in a tournament or someone's going to beat you. And you know, what's funny about that, Grayson, like everyone talks about that. It's a cliche. And I also love that the word win is what's important now. Like that is winning. And so that's that's a cool definition. Everyone talks about what the first shot and the 72nd shot. But I think what people don't talk about is the reason why people have to keep talking about it is because it's not easy to do. Our brains are not designed to focus for that long. Like we're going to see fears. We're going to feel doubt. We're going to compare ourselves. But in our last podcast, we talked a lot about, well, the the job is actually like coming back to something. Right. So that I think that's a yeah. cool reminder that like that's not easy. Like we I think it's easy to talk ourselves about like, oh, we need to focus. We should have focused there, but we should probably acknowledge that it's not easy to focus on every shot. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we kind of we try to break things down like my my mental coach is a um, coaches a lot of UFC fighters and, you know, they're going like different rounds depending on mm -hmm. their fights. So he kind of tells those guys like, Hey, if you have a 10 round fight, can you give me one good round of fighting? And they say, yeah, well then can you give me two good rounds of fighting? And they said, yeah, well, how about give me five, two good rounds of fighting, you know? So he, he likes to break it down into smaller parts because it, in our brain, we feel like we can accomplish, you know, we can get things done in a 10 round fight. If we just say, Hey, give me 10 good rounds of fighting. That's a lot to, you know, yeah. really take in. So I think the same thing, what you're saying about, you know, a 72 hole golf tournament, that's a lot of holes that a lot of good things, bad things are going to happen. And if you can just kind of break it down into whatever, you know, I think makes sense in your brain, but 
if you can give me good nine holes or if you can give me a good whatever if it's nine holes then you do that eight times during a during a tournament and you know it gets you to sunday late in the day but it's it's just all these little mind games that i feel like you can play with yourself to really make it seem easier than it than it or you know it is easier than it should be I, I was listening, like I said, I was listening to our last podcast. And then I also listened to your Sony presser, right? And we talked about two different things. But after listening to both, I realized, oh, interesting. They're kind of connected. So on our podcast, we talked about how previously you kind of lost your competitiveness and just that that childlike fire to want to beat the guy next to you, right? And then I listened to the Sony interview after you won. And you talked about how in the past, when you were at your lowest, you kind of looked at yourself as wasted talent or felt like a failure, right? And I realized it's kind of impossible to compete if you feel like a failure, right? How'd you get back to competing? That's that's a good question. It is impossible because you're focused on like what could have been or what, you know, should should have been when you feel like you're a failure. So I think whenever you start comparing yourself or, you know, start like feeling like uh, I'm not as good as I could have been, that's when things are, you know, it's very tough to focus on what you really should be focusing on. How I got back, I think was a few things. I think just life changes in general um, got me back to thinking positively. And when you start creating a pattern and doing things a lot, then you can kind of retrain your mind and retrain your brain. And I think that's what happened to me is getting out of old habits, starting new good habits, healthy habits, and, you know, retraining that brain again to, you know, Hey, I am really good at golf. I am, you know, top whatever percent, 0.1% in the world at what I do and really just focus in on the positive thoughts and, not letting my mind drift to, you know, the other 155 guys that I'm playing against each week or, you know, however many are in that field at, at that given time. But we all have, you know, I've talked about it and I'll keep talking about it, but we all have our different paths on how we get to where we're going to be. And I mean, I'm 30 years old. I feel like in golf, that's still pretty young in a, in a way. And, um, you know, I think I'm healthy and, you know, it's my second win, but, you know, my 30s could be, you know, something special if I, if I wanted to be. Yeah. It's so funny, the impact of a, a statement, right? Like people here think positively and sometimes it can come off like a cliche and it's a, an impossible thing to hear when you're feeling like a failure. I felt like a failure many, many times, especially on the golf course. And I don't I probably don't have the same level of shots that you might see, right? I might just see really terrible results over and over. And it's easy to kind of puncture your your self-image there. So do you have any examples that you can share of maybe old statements that produced the emotion of feeling like failure and then new statements that provided you some lightness and took off some of that weight? I think I I could probably go back to like times when I was just really negative self-talk like out loud, especially Um, Mm. I think, I think sometimes we have internal negative self-talk and I think that's just natural. I think our mind like likes to 
you know, wander to maybe where we're, we're like worrisome a little bit. And I think that's just natural, but there's ways of getting out of that. But I think when you say it out loud and you like other people hear it, that's like a call for like, oh, I just want people to hear like that. I, you know, what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and maybe, maybe they'll feel sorry for me or something. And so when mm-hmm. I started that pattern of like on the green, like say if I miss a putt in a tournament and, you know, I would say that's why you're still in the corn fairy tour. You don't have your PJ tour car. You say that out loud and like your caddy hears it or your people you're playing with hear it. And a way of like kind of reversing that is like saying, okay, if your caddy said that out loud and told you that, would you still keep them as your caddy, you know, or would you get rid of them? And I think we all know the answer to that. Like, yeah. So why, why talk to yourself that way? And yeah, it's, it's just those patterns that, like I said, like, when your mind gets, when, when I trained my mind to really tell, talk to myself negatively, you do it without even noticing. Right. And so, when you, yeah, it's you a know, habit. And until you get caught, called out on it by, right. you know, hope, you know, someone who hopefully likes you and then they'll just say, Hey dude, like maybe we should start not doing that. That's kind of what, that's what happened is like when you start realizing it and I think self-awareness is huge. Like, my mental guy and I talk about it all the time is and I'll, and Tony Blower is his name and, and I'll just refer to him as Tony from now on. Yeah. But Tony and I talk about how huge self-awareness it is. And, and I feel like I, I have, you know, really good self-awareness and we've touched on that, but now it's like, okay, we're, we're aware of what's going on out there. Now let's see how we can rewrite our script a little differently. And so now if I, if I'm out there and, and I miss some pots, it's not, so much of what i just said it's more of like all right let's be patient we're, we're putting it good like i'm making the ones you're supposed to which i consider like the four or five footers and in like you're making those so you're obviously hitting your lines you know maybe the 15 footers aren't dropping right now but they will assume hopefully you know it's it's those type of techniques that we can use going forward or like that i'm using right now that are really i think helping me Yeah. I mean, they say you can't learn without reflection. And, you know, the first thing I did to start my journey was when I was 16, I read Zen golf by Dr. Joe parent. And he literally said, do little tally marks on the scorecard for every time you say something negative to yourself. And it couldn't, it might not even be about you. It could just be something negative, right. About a bad bounce or how you hit it right. And you wanted to hit it left. And I was shocked by the number. So awareness really is the first key because you can't decrease a number if you don't know what the number is, mm-hmm. right? It sounds like that was big for you. I mean, you, how are you going to stop a pattern if you don't know if the pattern exists? Yeah, I mean, it's, you might even like know it exists, but it's like, how do you? Who, yeah, you almost don't do want to know, right? Yeah, you don't want to know, and then someone's going to call you out on it eventually, hopefully, if you're lucky, and then you right. kind of get the, the awakening of like, all right, I got to change something, or I can continue doing what I'm doing and get the same results, which, I mean, I don't think I was happy with the results I was getting, so why not try to change something? And just so people know, if well, obviously the focus is mental, but when we talk about the physical as a tour pro, just so people can kind of relate, you know, if I'm a seven handicap, I know what my low looks like. What is you, what was your low in your actual game? Are we talking foul balls? Are we talking a ton of three putts? Are we talking about setting up for a cut and hitting a 
a hook like what is what was that what was the low point in your actual game would you say I mean I've always like I feel like been like a good ball striker and a good driver of the ball I don't think I ever like went through any like bad stretch like you know maybe like ups and down stretches but nothing like where it's like oh wait a minute like we got to reinvent this whole thing yeah. or it's not gonna that be good honestly um, sounds incredible i'm very I, I jealous to keep going <laughs> I, yeah i just i don't really like i think it's just such a fine line at our level that like yeah you don't you know it's just a couple things that like make i feel like the world a difference but you're not like you can't really like the outsider is not going to really be able to tell a difference. I mean, our stats can tell differences, right? Like I can sit here and say like my best year on tour when I won my rookie year, I was a hundred and whatever, 30th in putting. And now like last year, I think I needed like two more events for all my stats to count. I think I had 13. I think you have to play in 15 and I would have been like seventh on tour in putting last mm. year. So stats can tell you that I was putting better now, but I personally don't like looking at stats because I think it's a bad way of honestly telling yourself that you're not as good as some people. Like mm. um, there are ways that you can look at stats and be like, okay, well, obviously I need to work on this. But for me, like I'm, I'm not a big stats guy. I, I know that I'm not chipping it well or I'm not, I know I'm not putting it as well as I can or whatever. And I just go work on it. Right. Like I think, the ultimate stat is the FedEx Cup ranking or, you know, the money list. I think that tells you all around how your game is you're, you're doing. So, but yeah, when it comes to like one low point in like my game, I, I would probably say just like I've turned around my putting a lot, but I didn't really do much. I think it's just like a couple little things that I just do every day now that I kind of, it's maintenance for me. I'm never reinventing anything. It's always yeah. just maintenance. Kelly Kraft told us a few weeks ago, like he does the same thing, goes to the green with his mirror. He checks his shoulders. If it feels a little open, he has to feel like they're a little bit closed to get back to square. He It might only take five minutes, but mm -hmm. he does it every time. And that's what he does. And we were just talking to um, a couple pros as well at the PJ show. I was doing a, a podcast. He said, how many putting mirrors do you see at a country club? Not many, right? Mm -hmm. So it just kind of shows like I used to think, oh, it makes sense. They've got it figured out. They only need to do maintenance. But they're also the you guys are also the best at it and you yeah. do maintenance. So I think it just shows the importance of maintenance in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I think like if you want to compare it to a car because you think of maintenance, like you still, even if you have a Ferrari or some type of really nice car, you're still going to have to take it in and get it, you know, oil change and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. um, you're, you're still like, it doesn't matter how good your game is. You're still going to have maintenance to do. And obviously if your game isn't quite as good, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to practice a little more or you're going to have to, until you feel like you're at that point where you can just do maintenance. Yeah, And maybe you'll never get to that point that you can just do maintenance. But I feel like everyone I think has goals. Like it doesn't matter if your goal is to break whatever my goal is to, you know, do this. I think we're all have a goal is a goal. So if we can get to our goal, then at some point I feel like everyone can be in that maintenance stage. Totally. Well, you mentioned with the stats, it's easy to compare. Um, we talked a little bit about that in our last interview. I know, 
You've struggled with it. I think everybody struggles with comparison. Anything that's gotten easier for you or anything that you've done or refocus you've had to help you not compare yourself versus others? Because it's got to be pretty easy to. You're you're standing next to the the other best players in the world. Everybody's on a ranking sheet of world rank. Every category, there's a ranking. There's a leaderboard every week. So what helps you stay focused on what you're doing and not compare yourself? Yeah, I mean, I feel like just personally, like if I just feel like I'm getting better, like at anything, you know, whether, you know, I go shift my focus to getting better at putting or if I shift my focus at trying to hit more fairways or whatever it is, like if I feel like if I have like my my radar and my mind's telling me that I'm getting better, you know, my results are showing good on the course, then that's good enough for me. I don't think, um, you know, just because this guy can hit it three thirty and he can also is the best putter and so whatever. I don't think that, I think there's, everyone has their own like recipe of success. And, um, at the end of the day, like we were all the best at something and they're, you know, the ranking, like they're, we would all be number one in the world. So, there's little things that separate every every single one of us from being that top player. We can always sit here and compare ourselves to one another. Like you said, there's going to be a ranking that is going to tell us who's number one in the world and who's number 50th. But as long as we have our own little goals and, and, and we're trying to just get better as an individual, um, you know, I think the rest, like just let it do its, do its part and let everyone, you know, tell us where we should be in, in the world ranking and all that. But at any day, if I feel like I can go out there and beat the number one player in the world, then that's all that really matters. All right, guys, stay seated. Keep those seatbelts fastened. I got big news from one of our friends and one of your favorite sponsors, Meridian Putters. They just did maybe the impossible. Okay, I've been in this industry a very long time, and I used to work with TaylorMade. I know how the Golf Digest hot list works. I can't remember the last time that a company won a gold medal hot list for their product the first year in business and the first time ever submitting to the Golf Digest hot list. Meridian Putters won a gold medal in the blade category for the Charleston and Okatee models. Okay, let me just put this in a little bit of context. Remember, Meridian is a new milled putter company that based on their manufacturing process and their mission and commitment to helping everyone experience the joy and the beauty of a milled putter, they can mill a putter from a single block of steel for half the price of a Bettinardi and a Scotty Cameron. People used to ask me, is it as good? Is it as good? You don't have to wonder if it is. It is. They won the same award in the same category as Bettinardi and Scotty Cameron, and their putters start at under 250 bucks. And you can totally build and frame your own putter from the model, the finish, face, insert or not, and the cut. You can even inscribe, I put the Partrain logo on the toe and I put the coordinates of the old course at St. Andrews on the heel. And I put enjoy the ride on the sole. Meridian has done something that I can't remember anyone ever doing. We just did a, a giveaway on Instagram. If you listen to the show and you don't follow our Instagram, that's a good reason to do it. We gave away four gold putters as celebration on Friday. This is coming out on Sunday. So if you didn't win, go to meridianputters.com, enter the code TRAIN, and you can get 25% off building your own milled putter. Again, the ones that won are the Charleston and OKT models, the milled series, even though they're all milled. And you can build your own putter 
for less than 200 bucks that is just as good as a Scotty or a Betnardi. I don't know if we've ever had a better deal than that on this show. So meridianputters.com, enter the code train, get 25% off. Huge congrats to my friends at Meridian. It is something unheard of, and it's a really a testament to their quality and what they've accomplished. So I hope you guys can experience this quality for yourself. I love mine. And uh, let's get back to the show. I think there's a level of trust and faith that you have to have because the second you start comparing, you're trying to control your outcome, right? Like you didn't necessarily think in the moment that, you know, abusing alcohol was a good thing for you, but is probably the path you needed to go on to become whoever you're supposed to be. And you can't predict what you need to go through in order to get where you're supposed to be. So, you know, to compare yourself and think, I wish I was here. I wish I was there. That's not living in um, trust or faith, you know? So I think that's probably a good reminder. The moment I'm in comparison, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I don't know what's good for me yet. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and following my gut and trust that it's going to guide me in the right place. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think like we're all like always wanting control of things like as human beings. We want to know what's going to happen next. And, um, certainty, you know, is tough at the time, but there's a reason it's uncertain. You know, it's not our decision. Like if you want to look at, you know, depending on if you're a believer or not, or if you have a higher power or not, but there's, there's someone out there that is leading you towards something better. And, you know, we, we as human beings want to know what's better, you know, right away. And sometimes it's, it's just having to do the, the little steps each day to get to where we you know, are meant to be led. And that's, I think that's like everyone's life story, right? Like you're, yeah. you're doing, you're doing this interview because you're led to this interview and I'm, and I'm sitting here because I was led to be in this situation. And I, I can't like, I think like if I, if I go back, like on this topic, if I go back to one time where I was never in control, um, it would have been like this men's hike I went on with this, with this group at church. And it was like a three day hike. That's all they told us. We didn't, we didn't know where we were going to go. Like we were just kind of put in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was like a three hour drive. So we kind of knew where we we're going, but they didn't tell us like when we were going to stop and eat. We didn't tell us when we were going to stop and sleep. They didn't tell us anything. And we were just like, always like, you know, and then finally got to the point where they're like, all right, it's out of our hands. Like it's not even worth like figuring out what's next. And yeah. once you got, once I got to the point where, okay, I'm safe. I know I'm going to sleep tonight. I know we're going to eat tonight. It, it, the, the comfort level, you know, the something like you're just the stuff was lifted off your shoulders at that point. And that's like, I feel like, you know, exactly what we were talking about. And that was like a ah moment for me in my life. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it sounds meta again, but sorry, it's an occupational hazard with me. Anytime I feel anxious, I tell myself I'm safe. I'm loved. And like, mm -hmm. it sounds stupid, but like it actually does settle me down, you know, because that's usually the two things we're fearing in those moments. But let's talk about the Sony for a second. So talk to me about I want to talk about down the stretch, obviously, but talk to me about the week going in. Did it feel any different going in? Was there um, a different level of of peace? I know you said you've been feeling at peace. Was there a level of acceptance and calm? Like, did the week feel any different going in? 
so we came out here early. We came out to Palm. When I say we, my fiance and I came out to Palm Springs or like right after Christmas. And we spent a little time, you know, with her family and uh, practicing before I went out to Hawaii. And we got out to Hawaii on a Saturday just to kind of acclimate another time zone. And yeah, it was our first time that like she was there with me like the whole week. She had been to oh, terms cool. in the past, but not the whole week. So we, I think our like plan was just to like go in it. Like, obviously like I'm working, but like, let's, you know, let's do some fun things together. Let's see Hawaii. So we rode up to the North shore one day and, you know, spent time up there and got to see like some, some pretty big waves. It was kind of a calm day that day, but you know, got, got me away from like actually ended up hitting balls up there on a course that day, but it pretty much got me away from the everyday, like, tour stuff that you have to do and Mm -hmm. that was a nice i think we look back at that we're like we're so thankful that we did that and then yeah i mean as far as like the week went like it was a normal week for us i think you know i did the monday program and played with some great guys during that and i felt like i was hitting it really well and then i saw i saw my short game coach that week and you know he was kind of he he's always been a big cheerleader of mine, not only just, you know, on the course, but off the course. And then also helps me with my short game. So he's kind of it's it's both. It's it's him being a cheerleader, but it's also him helping me with with my game. And so he was just giving me a lot of encouragement that week, telling me because it'd been a while since I've seen him and just telling me how how not surprised, but how anxious he was to work with me this year because of how well my hands were working and how well I was hitting some of the shots that I didn't have in the past. Hmm. And so that was a little encouragement, you know, before the uh, tournament started. And honestly, like the first day got off to a really slow start. I was three over through eight holes. I had to make like a pretty long pot on eight to just stay at three over. And it was one of those like times where it's like, okay, maybe I'm just rusty. Like I haven't played tournament golf since I had won in Nashville, like on October. So, you know, maybe Hawaii is just going to be like one of those get the rust off type weeks. Um, but you know, I turned, I turned that day into one under par, which, um, I felt like we took a lot of positives from that because I'm like at the point where I keep, you know, wanting to be that player, that consistent player. And I think a consistent player, keeps their bad rounds around par even better, like 100, yeah. 200. And so I felt like that was a moment where I didn't have my best stuff and I kept it under par on a, and so. And were you trying to next, do that consciously Grayson, or were you just like, yeah, I might, this might be a round of getting the rust off. I'm just going to keep hitting my spots and I'm just going to keep playing. And it turned into one under, or were you like, I need to get it back to even par or one under. I don't think I ever use the word like I need to do this. I think yeah. it puts too much pressure. I think it's like one of those I want to get to one under par and great if I do, you know, if I don't, then maybe I have to do a little something more special tomorrow to make the cut. Yeah. But I think I think I st- try to not phrase it as like I need to do something. And so I think I just was like one of those days where I really felt like, okay, this is, you know, the old Grayson might have given up a little bit here in this situation and I'm going to prove to myself that I'm not. And, you know, I can turn this into a salvage, you know, manageable day and, you know, give myself a chance to make the cut tomorrow. So that's what I did. You know, the next day I, I played well and Saturday I played well. And then obviously I think going into Sunday, I was tied for the lead. And so 
you know, a situation like that, like you had a little bit of media after Saturday because you're, you know, going into the final round tied for the lead and you get questions asked all, you know, what's to, what's tomorrow going to look like? How are you going to feel? Obviously, you're going to be nervous, but, you know, what are you going to what are your goals going to be and stuff like that? And I think like that was the first time that I like felt at peace with it all. And I was just like, you know what, this is an obligation. I'm going to have to just answer these questions, but it's a good thing. And I'm it's something that I'm like not anxious about, right? Like I'm, I'm actually able to share my thoughts and feel like I'm at peace with my thoughts. So that's kind of what, how Saturday went, went down that afternoon. And I got really good rest on Saturday night and, you know, my fiance and I just, we kept it really simple. We didn't do much that night, just had like a normal dinner and went to bed. And then I woke up and, I would feel like that would be the time to like really be nervous. Like you're, you're kind of having, you have a little, we actually had, we didn't really have that late of a tea time just because we're so far out there on the West that, you know, they yeah. want a TV to finish at a certain time. So our tea time wasn't super late, but you do have a little more time to kind of think about how the day is going to go. And, you know, but it was, it was just a normal day. I got up and did my routine, saw my short game coach and, You know, he was one of those, if you heard the quote about me saying, you know, this isn't going to change my life and might change my career a little bit. That was, you know, him really telling me that and me believing it. And um, it was something that really stuck with me that day. I think I was just a, obviously like you want to win, right? Like if you're ever in a situation where you can win a golf tournament, there's not one person on tour that doesn't want to win, but it doesn't always happen. And um, I think that that, moment like in those times you just really have to like you got to give it your all without like caring too much i think sometimes you can like care too much in those situations and honestly like lose your feel and lose your touch and um so it's a fine line of like caring too much and then also like really wanting it and so yeah i mean i had a you know jay who's my caddy is that was our first well it was our third time together but it was our first time in a while and we just had a really good game plan that day and it was, you know, it, it sounds boring and cliche, but we really stuck to it and we were really patient and I was playing against, you know, we're playing with one of the best players um, over the last few years, Keegan Bradley, and we battled it out with him all day and uh, we got to the playoff where we felt like we could get it done and that's what happened. And, um, and that quote that I just shared, it, it still is true. Like I'm, it changed a little bit of my career, but like it didn't change my life. Nothing about that tournament changed my life. I'm still the same person. And, you know, that's what I'm going to keep doing going forward, even if I keep winning. Yeah. You know, what makes me think of Grayson is like nothing about what you described signals that this is a week that I'm going to win other than your, your peace and indifference and neutrality to whatever happens. Right. Because think about it. Like you start three over. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you think I'm going to win this tournament, nobody's going to want to start three over and think they can win the tournament. You it'd probably be really easy as a human to say, well, like, I guess I can't win this week, but hopefully I can make the cut. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's a very human thought. So that's one. Two, when you think about even, you know, the playoff if you think about the three positions and the three players in that playoff, you don't think that you're going to be the one to birdie based on your drive. 
right? And so I think that's actually a really cool thing. I, I, I remind myself of that a lot. Like I, when I played St. Andrews last year, I just kept thinking about 18 before I was going to play the old course because I fight a big right, you know, a block. And I just kept thinking about that hotel. It's like, I just, I really don't want to be the guy, even though it's a great story. I don't want to be the guy that hits the hotel. Right. And I know <laughs> I have miles left, but that doesn't necessarily matter. It could still come out, especially if I'm nervous. So I, I hit the fairway and I made like an eight footer for par. And ironically, that wasn't the thing that I remember. The thing I was most focused on, I wasn't most excited about that. I actually was most excited about the fact that I made bogey on the road hole after somehow hooking a four iron long into the burn and having 70 yards back over to the road hole with the road long, just a, a, a totally tough shot. And I got up and down for that, for bogey. So the reason I say that story is because now when I get into a bad position, I think, well, this is an amazing opportunity for a recovery. And if my best memories are from recoveries, then there's no reason to get upset that I'm in a bad position because now it's an opportunity to do something great and the thing I'm going to remember anyways. So before I get to the playoff, I want to know, because I love unpacking like the process and what's in your head when you hit that wedge shot, um, you know you got a birdie 18 to make give yourself a chance for a playoff, right? You're 16 under with one to play. You got to get to 17 under to have a chance. You hit a close wedge shot to make birdie and get into the playoff. What was the thought over that shot? You just get really focused on your number and went through your routine or in those moments where you got to do something, what were you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I knew I was going to hit it close. Like I, that doesn't like, it's not a cocky phrase. It's just like, a, it's confidence. It's confidence. I, I love that. I knew like, I was like, I just wanted Jay to give me that number. Like I walked up there, I looked at where the pen was. I didn't really care what the number was going to be. I just needed to hear it. And then I was going to hit it and um, yeah, succeed on purpose. You know, he, yeah. And he told me, you know, show me something. I think in that moment, or maybe it was, you know, a different shot, but like, that's all we were doing all day was like, let's just, let's just execute. Like, let's just, let's just, you know, we, when we hit it in a bunker where I was 12 for 12 that week, it was like, show me something, let's show off. Like you just said, like when you hit a bad shot, it's an opportunity to show off. And that's, that was the like case. That. Like all, that was the case all week. It was like, all right, didn't hit my best drive, had to lay up. Well, now it's time to show off. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what we did. You know, that got me into the playoff, obviously, and kind of the same scenarios in the playoff where, you know, miss the fairway again and have to lay up and don't hit my best wedge shot. It's like, well, show me something, right? Like they're in there close. We know we got to make, it's like make or go home. Like, mm. okay, well, we're here. We might as well not go home yet. So, you know, and, and that was the, that was the case. Like it was not a like, Oh, what could this do for my career? What is this going to, what, what, what does this putt mean to us right now? Like that doesn't cross our mind one bit. And I think you're able to be an athlete in that situation when you just focus on like the what's important now. That's what we were. We were athletes in that situation. And, you know, I think I'm not, I don't want to like go into like Ben on's brain, but like when you have a putt that you think is probably going to win to win the tournament to a few, a few minutes later to just force another playoff hole, like I bet you there was a lot that went on in his mind, a lot more than what went in on my mind before I popped. Right. 
And so in that, in that situation, I felt like that's like a match play scenario where the, the script, it can be flipped in such a quick instance that that's what I did. And, and that's what playoffs are, or just match play, you know, it was a three person match play kind of hole, but um, I love yeah, that. I mean, it, that's it really easier is. than just, I'm trying to win yeah. a tour event. It's match play. Let's see if mm-hmm. I can beat these two guys. You can beat two guys, right? Yeah. That's a lot easier than trying to, to quote, change my career or elevate my career or win a trophy and get back in the winter circle like that. That could be true, but that's not really productive in the moment. Right. Yeah. I love that. Just what you just said is going back to remember how we, we talked about, you can't compete. If you feel sorry for yourself, feel like a failure, you are competing, right? Every bad shot's a chance to show off. I love that. So let's talk about the playoff then in the sense of you were talking about in your interview, it was a tough tee shot for a fader, right? Mm-hmm. You, the wind was left to right. And I think I really want to talk about this because every amateur steps, every pro too, steps into a shot that either has results tied to it. This had both or just a really tough shot for you whether it's hitting over water, whether it's, you know, the wind is going against where you would normally start it based on your ball flight. Like, what did you say to yourself? Actually, I'll ask it this way. Was there anything different on that tee shot than the wedge shot on 18? Or did you just make a bad swing? That tee shot for me is just so tough. Like, I know it's tough, right? Like, you can't you can sit here and be like, you can't fake your mind, like, saying this is going to be an easy tee shot. Like, Right. It's just one of those tee shots that's tough. And I probably like it probably is a forward for me because I can draw my forward a little easier or actually I can hit a draw on my forward. So in that situation, like you probably just go with a forward next time. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those tee shots that like I think I've gotten over the point of like, okay, this is if you hit this like for par fives, especially for us, like it's like if you hit the fairway then you know you're going to have a chance at probably birdie or eagle. And instead of like looking at it like that, it's just like dissected as like this tee shot is just as important as that second shot or just as important as that putt. So none of that, you know, that putt doesn't matter until I hit this tee shot. And that playoff for me, like seeing like I I drove up there and like, you know, Ken, the rules official told me like, you're going to be hitting three. Well, usually in like playoffs, like I thought you draw out of a hat. So like, I didn't even get a chance to like know that I was going to be hitting three. I just was. So when I, when I heard that, I was like, okay, well, um, how'd they decide that? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, usually I think it might be like, I don't know. I, I thought it was like the first person who finishes, which was Ben on maybe gets to pull a number. And then maybe yeah. since I was third to get there, I, they, uh, anyways, so I was third to yeah. hit and I saw both of them kind of stripe it like perfect. And I was like, oh gosh, like I didn't say, oh gosh, but I was just like, all right, well, maybe I felt like I needed to kind of turn one over a little more than the play, than the regulation because I let the regulation tee shot out right. So I got a little over, you know, carried away with trying to turn it over and, and hit the tree. And same situation, like I got in that, I got in that rough and I knew I couldn't get to the green. So I was like, all right, how are we going to give ourselves a chance to give our chance, you know, give ourselves a, a birdie putt. So we, we went with a pitching wedge over the tree instead of a nine iron because I knew I could get nine iron over, but why take that chance? Right. Like right. why, why give up? Like, 
even taking the slightest chance of hitting the tree for another 10 yards. Totally. So we went with the pitching wedge. The wedge shot in the third shot wasn't the greatest number because of the wind, how it was in our face and what club I had to go with. So it made me kind of have to hit a harder wedge shot into, into wind, which is a tough shot. Like it puts more spin on it and you're going to tend to, when you back foot a wedge, you're going to tend to draw it and it was a right pin. So anyways, it, it, it all kind of ended up working out like where, where the putt did so happen to finish or my shot and ended up finishing was like exact putt that Stan Stevens, who I played with in regulation had. And luckily my caddy Jay kind of uh, was watching in regulation his putt. And so he basically, you know, told me like, look, this putt's a little slower than you think. And it doesn't quite break as much as you think. And that's kind of like what he worded to me. And then we basically were like, well, we got to give it a chance. You know, we're not leaving it short. And it's not one of those like, you know, I think in pro-ams or when you're playing with people, it's like, all right, don't leave it short. Like, so you give them a read, right? And then you say, don't leave it short. Well, then they blast it by like 15 yeah. feet. So it's like, why did I even give them a read? Like, I don't right. So you're still trying to put good speed on this putt, even though you can't leave it short because you're reading this putt like you would, you know, I'm not reading this putt for speed to go 15 feet by. So, right. and my caddy knew that, like we knew we were trying to get it to the hole, obviously. So we took a little bit of breakout and, when it came off the putter, like it was one of those, like, all right, here I cured it kind of moments. And when you see it, like with a few feet to go, you knew it was in. That's kind of like when you like black out and don't realize like, like your celebration and like kind of what you do. But obviously I still had to watch Keegan and Ben on putt. And so, you know, at that moment I was like, all right, I'm, I got to settle myself down. I got to figure out how, you know, I'm going to probably end up having to go back to 18 and we're going to hit the tee shot again. So let's, Let's just settle things down. Let's get our heart rate back to normal before we can, you know, get in that car to go back. Uh, fortunate and unfortunate that they both missed. But um, it was one of those moments that, like, when you when you do realize, like, it's over with and you won, it's, like, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, but also, you know, some relief in there. Like, all right, I did it. Like, all this hard work, like, it just showed, like, it just paid off. You know? It, that's what it was. Well, it feels like it was meant to be, right? You make a putt like that after your drive and you make birdie. I mean, number one, it shows like you can make birdie from anywhere. You know, doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but, you know, anything's possible in that sense. And then and then it happens. I also love how you I, – I heard in your post-round interview that you basically expected that one of them was going to make birdie, you know? So, again – Every step of the way, you accepted that what's going to happen is going to happen. And you didn't have any expectations that I need to do this to do this. I need to do this. I have to do this. What if I don't? Right? You you were playing with total acceptance. That didn't mean that you weren't nervous or that you didn't want to win. Of course you wanted to win. But you kept yourself at like this neutral place because you trusted that you're going to be wherever you're supposed to be. So you're just going to do what you do the best you can. Right? Like you can even yeah. feel as I'm talking about it it feels lighter. Versus when I was talking about it before all those other options it felt really heavy. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what was the worst that's going to happen? I was going to come and tie for second, you know, at that moment. That's like, a, yeah, it's a great week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, tie me up for tied second every week, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. You're going to have a good going to have a good year doing that.
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, I think you have this, like, mentality, like, all day, like, all right, you're going to accept the results. You're going to accept, like, where I hit it. You're going to accept, like, all right, we're going to show off and all this. And then, um, you know, you have to kind of – the playoff is a little different. Like, you're going to have to, like, in that moment, like, I had to make that putter. I knew I was going to probably be over with. So that was, like, a, one of those times where you, it's. I feel like it's acceptable to be like, hey, we have to make this putter. It's probably not going to keep going in a sense of like, I'm not going to play another playoff hole. Like I'll probably lose, but it's not like I have to make it life or death. Right. Like right. second is still a good week. Like you said, it's a crazy game. Like you don't know what's going to happen. And um, you don't want to, like, you don't want to watch Ben on, you know, like miss a putt or win a tournament or continue a tournament. Like I don't want that to happen to me. Right. Like I want to make that putt in that situation, but there's only one winner each week. And, that guy, like Ben, is going to win this year. Like these two good of a ball striker, not to. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Keegan has been on a good run this last couple of years. So, yeah, it's it's all part of the game, and it's like going back to the SOP: succeed on purpose. Like, don't feel bad. Like, you know, don't feel bad that you're succeeding, and you're going to have to beat some people along the way to win, and that's just part of it. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, I was so excited when I saw it because I know how hard you've worked to get that point. So I got one last question for you. You can mm -hmm. choose to answer it or you can choose to opt out of it, but it'd be irresponsible if I didn't ask because a lot of the chatter after you won online, at least was that there was this meeting and Rory said something to you that just win more. Did that actually have any additional, did that actually give you any additional fire to win no. after that? Or was that blown out of proportion by the media? Um, it was by our proportion. I mean, I, I had already just won before he said that on the corn fairy tour. Uh, right. And, and so like, I, I knew I was playing good golf. Like he didn't need to say that for me to win Hawaii. Like I didn't even think about it until you see the memes afterwards. And I'm sure when I see him like a pebble, like he's going to congratulate me and I'll congratulate him on his win last week. Like it's all like, I think good storylines and whatnot, but I'm not rooting against him unless we're playing against each other in a Ryder cup, like it's, it's all air, you know, it's like, it's one of those times where, um, like, yeah, could it have had fuel to me? Could it have like given me a little more drive? Sure. But it didn't. Um, I didn't need it. I didn't, I don't need to hear Rory tell me to play better. I'm trying my best each and every week. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, there might be a moment this year where we're going head to head and he wish he had never said that because I might beat him. Yeah. But who knows? <laughs> totally well before we let you go i thought this was a great recap and example of like what winning golf looks like you know just like start to finish the whole week how you got there so anything that we talked about that you want to reiterate and leave people with as like this is the thing to take away or anything that we didn't get to cover that you want to mention before i let you go I think everything we touched was pretty good. Uh, what about you? Do you think there's anything that yeah, we need to say? I, I'd say the only thing is like, you know, when when you feel tentative or you start getting stuck in results or comparison, trying to find a way to get back and compete. I mean, what you described was competing, right? But you competed in a way of like, I'm going to be good either way. So I'm going to give them hell because I got mm -hmm. nothing to lose, right? Yeah. And I think playing like you got nothing to lose and giving it your best, I think is where everyone wants strives to be. 
And I, I think he did that. Not to mention the power of, you know, being really at peace with who you are as a person and being with your fiance. And I know I love playing with, with my wife. And when she's there in golf, it just adds a level of like comfort. And it doesn't matter what you do or how you shoot. They're going to love you either way. So I think there's a level of that that adds to it. And so, yeah, I'm pumped for you, man. Congrats. I'm going to keep cheering you on. Appreciate it. Well, everyone at Grayson Murray on Instagram, anywhere else you want to send people? That's it. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you as always, man, for hopping aboard. We're going to be cheering you on. Yeah, I'm going to have to send you that ball marker so that we can have you rack up even more wins. Let's do it. I'll rock. I'll I'll, I'll use it. Hell yeah, man. I can't promise you I'll use it every round because I'm not superstitious, but we'll use it. Hey, man, no pressure either way, just like your game. (laughs) If it strikes you, it strikes you. But thanks as always, man, for hopping aboard. Of course. Thanks, Evan. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Before you hop off board, if you love the podcast, and you love our merchandise drops, I think I got something you'll probably enjoy. You go to thepartrain.com, hop aboard our email list, get a free newsletter that keeps your game on track, a little mental nugget every Monday. And then maybe even more importantly, first access to merchandise drops before any Instagram promotion. We send it to our email subscribers first. And so if that interests you, hop aboard the email list at thepartrain.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the ride. Take care.